I am Erica. I am Kevin. I am Giovanna. I am adventurous. I am dreamer. I am creative. I am wine. I am dance. I am entrepreneur. I am musician. I am privileged. I am activist. I I am am podcast. Learning. Growing. Inspiring. Well, hello, everybody, and thank you, thank you, thank you for listening in to the I Am Podcast show. We're super excited. Uh, this is our very first show, and we have a very, very special guest. Our very special guest, yes. actor, extraordinaire, uh, voiceover actor, podcaster, director, producer. Everything you're saying about me is true. <laughs> Here's, here, I know you haven't even said my name yet, and I don't care. Here's why. <laughs> Guys, you I don't know where you go from here. Once you have me on your show, I don't know <laughs> what you're going to We're do. We're done. <laughs> this is the pinnacle. I mean, I could I could come back each week as a diff, pretending I'm somebody different. But you can't go anywhere well, from after you. We're gonna flatten the curve. We're just we all sitting yeah, put it right oh, back. Timely, brother. We're on cruise mode from here on out. <laughs> So I want to mention a few uh, credits of Mr. Gary Anthony Williams. He has been on shows like Malcolm in the Middle. I don't know if you guys remember that show. It was one of my favorites. Desperate Housewives, Boston Legal. He won a BTVA for voicing the actor of Uncle Ruckus on The Boondocks, which is awesome. And one of my favorites, yeah. I talked to you about this, Gary, the show I'm Sorry. Oh, it's a brilliant show. Yeah. Very similar in the vein Fun of um, Curb, but I think it's a little better. And you're brilliant in it. <laughs> you're so brilliant in it. And just Thank you. overall, like you're just an amazing person. I, I met you a long time ago through a mutual friend. And overall, just awesome, beautiful energy and humble. I mean, the list goes on and on. His credits, this is just a fraction of his extensive resume. So, yeah. So, we are super honored to have you as our first guest. Been working. Mr. Gary Anthony Williams. Yay, me. (laughs) Yay, me. I got to get myself one of those applause machines. Oh, we can put that in there. Soundbite for your phone. If you're going to do that, then just add a whole trumpet. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wait. I forgot to to tell you that we went down the rabbit hole of Whose Line Is It Anyway yesterday and all the episodes you appeared on. Oh, my gosh. It's just brilliant. Like, how do you do that? Improv is just so amazing to me. Improv is my absolute favorite thing in the world to do. And and like a, a couple of the shows you just mentioned, uh, I'm Sorry. But by, by the way, I'm Sorry is a show. A lot of people don't know it, I think. I know. Uh, yeah. It started out on True TV and they aired on True TV and on Netflix now. Yes. We were, we were just about to start a new season and then uh, the virus hit. So uh. that's, it's put on hold right now. But even that show allows me to improv and so does um actually the boondocks like pretty much every song uncle ruckus ever sang on the boondocks was an improvised song that aaron then put music behind Ah. um and and aaron writes these amazing scripts aaron mcgrew to the creator of the boondocks he writes these amazing scripts but every time he goes Hey, if you got something different or better, then please go ahead and do it. How so, great is that as an actor? Like, yeah. And that's where you flourish and that's where you shine. Absolutely. That's Yeah, it's definitely my joy. Like I would do improv free for the rest of 
my life. Also, I'm independently wealthy, so I don't need money. <laughs> Kevin will tell you that I drive eight Teslas stacked on top of each other. Yes. Just for the heck of it. Yes. I have witnessed these eight Teslas. <laughs> Man, so that, I guess, begs the first question. The one reason we wanted to start this was to get into people's brains to find out how, why. You know, and the first thing you said is that you you love this 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 form of of comedy. You know, yeah. improv. Like, where did that come from? I'll, I'll tell you the weirdest thing about it for me. So I was uh, I was a young African American child growing up in Georgia. I went to this little junior college, uh, Clayton State College, and there was a guy from Atlanta. He came down to teach a one day improv class. And uh, he's like a big actor in Atlanta. And after the class, he pulled me aside and said, uh, you shouldn't do improv. It's not for you. Mm. If anybody ever tells me that, mm. that's the way you may as well have gone, hey, uh, do that. Yeah, <laughs> fuel to I am literally not listening to you anymore. Yeah, I, I will that. either shut you out completely or prove you wrong. But I'm never going to go, oh, OK, that's a good idea. I won't do that. That's not going to happen. <laughs> So uh, I, I, uh, I saw an improv group in Atlanta after that called Laughing Matters. They were like the premier improv group in Atlanta. I used to go watch their shows. I was doing a show with another actor and they were down an actor one night and he goes, he goes to the leader of that group and says, hey, I know this guy um, who I think should do the show with us tonight. And they were like the biggest group in Atlanta. Mm. And the guy goes, does he do improv? He's like, I've never seen him do it, but I think he can. And so he trusted that guy, and I got on stage with them that night uh, long ago in, in like, 80s, late 80s. And I've been doing it ever since then, man. It's amazing. That was it's, the fire. Yeah. But I come from a, a huge family. So I may be the least funny person in my family. Like, everybody's funny. Everybody's always topping each other or putting each other down or lifting each other up in stupid ways. Yeah, yeah. So it was like, that's just survival. That's like eating. <laughs> you got to learn how to get your stuff in. So it was you know? in your DNA just from the start. It was like, man, I've been yeah. trying to do this from, from jump. You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so is that where you got a lot of your comedic inspiration from family? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Like nobody went into the business at all except me. Wow. But for sure, like my daddy was a, a hard, hard, hard working dude, but he was also a dry, funny dude. My mother was a funny woman. And every one of my sisters, like, and I have six sisters, two brothers. Everybody's funny. There's nobody who's not funny in that house that came mm. out of that house. And how many yeah. did you say, brothers and sisters? Six sisters, uh, two brothers. One brother died. Uh, so it would have been six sisters and three brothers, but one died as a baby. Uh, you know, black people had to make a lot of children back then, man, in the South. You had to make them. Like, <laughs> there was stuff to do outside. There was tomatoes to plant and beans and oh, hogs man. to slaughter. Like, we were out there working, bro. Man. Yeah, my <laughs> family from Oklahoma so, with sharecroppers, and my grandma used to tell me some crazy stories. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yes, that was a house full of us. Even now I go home, I'm like, who are all these black people in this house? I don't remember. <laughs> more. <laughs> I don't remember all y'all. So I want to I wanna go back to that first, the first time that you were on stage. Uh, I've heard from different friends, you know, that sometimes 
if you have beginner's luck, that first one could be really big. And then you think your head gets really big and you think, oh, man, I've, I've won the show and don't realize <laughs> all the work that it takes. And you go and wow. bomb the next 20. What was that like? So it's funny. So I, I started doing theater, just regular theater, never improv comedy ever, but theater in in high school. And I literally started doing theater because I was trying to sign up for a class just to burn some credits off. <laughs> and the computer made a mistake and put me in an acting class. So I got in there and I was just lazy. <laughs> like, I, like, so I was like, I'll try it. Wow. You know, and then I tried it and it was like, oh, this is fun. I don't have a test to take in this class. It was just fun. <laughs> so from then it was, it was just a natural fit for me. I never thought I could have a career as an actor ever. Like, mm. honestly, being like a dirt poor kid out of Georgia, out of Fayetteville, Georgia, like I never thought, oh, yeah, there's a career in it, you know? So I just did it for the fun of it. And I thought, I'll go into business or biology or computers or something. But I never did. <laughs> My son can do all that stuff for me. <laughs> there you go. There you go with more kids building the family. <laughs> So with acting, every actor has a method or, or some way they draw for a certain character, being drama or, or comedic. Is there any situation as a black man that maybe you had a negative time on set or something that you could draw from to like actually add to a character you were playing? Well, I add, I add every bit of my life into characters that I play. Awesome. Um, like Uncle Ruckus, for instance, mm -hmm. from the Boondocks, mm -hmm. it's an amalgamation of a bunch of my daddy's friends from the ah. South. There were some of them who were just some hating, like hated other black people. They all liked my daddy for whatever reason, but like they were not that big a fan of black people. And they were black. Interesting. But they would always come around. There's one guy named Mr. Candy Walker. And he would always come around talking about how great the white man was. And he would be like, if you shake hands with a white man, you shall become friends. Like he was that guy. Like, what, what is, why are you here on Saturday? And what are you talking about? Like, it's always like, who is and this And who are you guy? talking to? Oh, yeah, and who are you talking to? Okay. All right, Mr. Candy. But like, he would have all these old dudes, hey, Willie, how come you don't drink no more? You know, like just raw <laughs> old dudes who used to hang around all the time. So I would just take little pieces, even still, of people's personalities and 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 roll them into something. Mm -hmm. And so when I auditioned for Uncle Ruckus, definitely I there was a voice, part of a voice I had used long ago on a cartoon called um, Undercover Brother. So I took a little piece of that voice, but his attitude is straight up those characters from my life growing up in Fayetteville, like 100% of, of who he is. Like Aaron just happened to write something that I knew very, very well. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's definitely from from those, <laughs> those kind of people. I love it. Yeah. And then uh, well, I want to know, like, so more of the transition. So how did you, you were already in Los Angeles at that time. What, what, yeah. what, what brought you from, from Georgia to, to LA? So in, in uh, I was acting in Atlanta. I was doing a dinner theater show called Agatha's Taste of Mystery Dinner Theater. And 
make like it was crazy. Like everybody who worked there made plenty of money. Like every the guys who worked in the kitchen there owned homes. Like it this it was a dinner theater. There was two actors a night, and we played multiple characters. So I was working theater there. I was at the Alliance Theater doing some shows there where Kenny Leon comes from in the Academy Theater. And there's a casting director there named Shay Griffin. And she would see, there was a role for a script she sent me. This was back in the days, I'm a young actor. And it was for teenage white Southern female. And she sent it to me. She's like, your audition is tomorrow. And I was like, it says a teenage white Southern female. She goes, yeah, but you'd be better at it. And so she sent me into this audition. And I remember she's sitting in the room. And they, I walk in and the guys look at me like, huh? And she goes, I know what it says on the paper, but just watch. <laughs> so I auditioned for it and I got that role. She was wow. this Southern white lady who just believed, just totally believed in me. Oh, and at one point she goes, Gary, you've pretty much done everything you can do here. You should move to LA. I was like, I guess so. And my wife at the time was like, well, you know, you can go out there and check out pilot season and then we'll see, you know, I'll stay here and watch the house. And like the next week she got laid off and she was like, let's just move. (laughs) So we moved. We didn't have Jack out here. We had two buddies, three buddies out here that we knew. We didn't have anything. I didn't have a job. I didn't have anything. I had enough money saved from there. I was like, all right, you work for a year and I'll get established. And then we'll live off the money we have. And the amount of money you have in Atlanta might be 12 feet tall. But when you get to L.A., that money is like three feet tall. So burn through that money quick. Mm -hmm. And then I got in that first year I got uh, at the end of that. I was on the Amanda show. This is a kid show. But at the end of that year, I got on Malcolm in the Middle at the end of that first year. So I got fortunate pretty fast and i know how lucky i am in this business that was i was in the right place at the right time they happened to be looking for a little round-faced man Mm -hmm. to go with their round-faced kid and so i got fortunate at the beginning of that year but my reason for coming out here was definitely shay griffin going you've done everything you can do in atlanta that was it that one person who like Totally trusted that I could come out here and make a living, you know. That's beautiful. So you went to some. Yeah. You actually listened to somebody. She said, "Said you better not go out to LA. You'll never make it to LA. You never." Uh, yeah. I I still wouldn't have <laughs> Yeah, I'm and my dad. He was like that. He was in World War II. My dad, and like talk about a dude who did not like authority. Like uh uh-uh. uh. Like he did not trust the army. Definitely not the cops. You know, he was one of those dudes who. Hey, I got beat up because I'm black and I'm in Fayetteville, Georgia, you know. Uh-huh. So he always, he was he was definitely one of those. They told me to do what? No, I ain't doing that. You know, <laughs> I got that from him for sure. Yeah. That's amazing. Correct me if I'm wrong. Mostly you do comedy, but are there any like dream roles you want to tackle as far as drama? You know, the crazy part is when I was working in Atlanta doing TV and movies, mm-hmm. it was mostly not comedy. Ah. It was mostly dramatic, but it was mostly those thug number two uh-huh. or black guy chasing white mm. woman uh, or just a mean, tough guy. Because I was a lot heavier then. So big was big, whether it meant you're tall or muscular, but I was 150 pounds heavier. So I looked more threatening. 
So most of the roles I played back in Atlanta were were bad guys, were more dramatic. But the first thing I booked out here that people saw me in was Malcolm in the Middle. So after that, they thought, oh, oh, he just does comedy. But on stage, I was doing Shakespeare, you know? Wow. So I was theatrically trained Shakespeare, but then they saw comedy and like, oh, that's that's what he does. He does comedy. Now I just combine all of that stuff from the, I, I put Shakespeare in there any, any time I get a chance. Mm-hmm. Like I'll, I'll pop into some of that stuff, you know? Comedy is the hardest thing. Yeah. So as far as a dream thing, I just love the opportunity to do what I love. I love having that opportunity to do what I love. So I can't go, yeah, I'd like to do some, you know, televised version of Othello or I, I don't have anything like that. So there's that. no checklist. No, no checklist. And I've never lived, I've never lived with a checklist. I've never lived with, I have a big goal and I got to be blank by blank or else I'll feel like a failure. I've never lived that. Mm. I've always lived, enjoy what I'm doing at that moment and keep enjoying it. And that has almost always taken me somewhere I wanted to be. <sighs> such a great lesson it's funny you say that because now looking at all of the footage and so i mean the smile on your face even when you're being interviewed and i could just see your mind going ready to tell a joke like (laughs) it's just you could just see it (laughs) Uh, yeah i i i I do love man i literally love what i do so if you see me smiling at something like that it's because i a hundred percent love it i remember riding one time in a car with my son like we were going somewhere and people were coming home from work and like I saw the looks on their faces and I was like, Ethan, never be those people that you see coming in the other direction, coming home from work, looking like, oh, I'm done. Like whatever you find, don't let it leave that look on your face at the end of your day, you know? See, so I knew he was going to get nuggets from this guy. He already <laughs> so many. <laughs> ah, so what, you are such like a bright light. How do you maintain that level of brightness? Dude, it's so funny you said that. So I'm one time, <laughs> one time I'm at, first of all, I just think in life, there's enough to go around for all of us. Ooh, if yes. you're willing to wait. Yes. Sometimes you gotta wait. I know. That's, oh, yeah. that's, yeah. Yeah. that's big. That's something I struggle with anyway. Oh, yeah, exactly. That's big, yes. One time, a long time ago when I used to do, I don't really do commercials anymore now. Uh, because I did, I got sick of driving around town. Like, I, I don't, I don't have to, I don't want to drive around all day for a commercial. I think the last one I saw was CarMax. Yeah. Well, those people, they asked me if I wanted to do it. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, invite me to the party. I'll come. Yeah. I don't need to audition. Let me know where to be. Exactly. <laughs> do you want me to bring my own shirt? Uh, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. I'm at a commercial audition one day and I see a dude who looked very much like me at the time. And I was like, oh. Hey, when you leave here, I just came from this other audition at Hollywood right near Vine and blah, blah. And he goes, why are you telling me this? I was like, you and me look alike. They're looking for somebody like Mm. us. You probably want to go down there. And he goes, hmm, you're not bitter yet, huh? (laughs) I was like, no, when do I get bitter? And he goes, you get bitter in this business the day after you think something should have happened for you by now. Mm. Like the day after that, you're bitter. Like, wow, I never want to be that guy (laughs) sitting around waiting for something to happen and it doesn't. It's like, oh, I hate this business, man. People want, so I just always know 
I'm doing what I want to do. And then opportunities will always, some point they might stop, but so far, always opportunities come. Mm -hmm. Many times it's just unexpected and just leaving yourself open with joy, it makes it come. Mm -hmm. The reason I'm on that TV show, I'm sorry, there's this coffee shop I go right at. It's, you know, you can't do anything right now because of COVID, but I used to write at this coffee shop, M Street Coffee. Every morning I would go right there. And at, before we had an office, me and my writing partner used to write there. And I met this girl there and we started laughing about stuff and we became friends. And one day she goes, hey, I'm writing a pilot and I'm going to put you in it. I was like, oh, cool. The next time I see her there, she goes, I sold the pilot. We're shooting it. I was like, what? what? She's like, your agent will tell you. I call my agent like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The next, we shot the pilot. The next time I see her there, she goes, they picked up the pilot. We're doing blah, blah episodes. Like, what did you say? It was all because just being at that spot, genuinely becoming friends with somebody, not like trying to push any Hollywood crap, right. just living and finding another joyful person, you know, Ooh. who's like, hey, let's do stuff together. Why not? So I just think if I leave myself open, man, like, opportunities will come. And when they don't come, I write and I make my own opportunities. Yeah. Timing and attitude yeah. is everything. Yeah. And th that energy you put out, that beautiful, positive light, you know, I, I know a lot of us can be bitter as African-Americans because we don't get the opportunities like our counterparts. Yeah. But, you know, it's so important to have that yeah. kind of attitude. And it's true. It's not, it is not fair. It is. You know, I guess nothing, nothing's fair, fair. But I do remember one time <laughs> with a bunch of friends of mine who were white. And, and at this point, I was probably like 380 pounds, maybe closer to 400, dark. And I remember talking to them and they were complaining about auditions. And it, I, was, I said, there's like one to five of me walking around out here. There's so many of you. <laughs> I don't want to be you. Like if all you're thinking is every time you walk into a room and there's 20 of you in there in this business, like I would rather be me. I would rather be that black dude mm -hmm. who is this dark and can make funny voices <laughs> than uh, that good looking white guy or <laughs> just that good looking black guy who now there's just a bunch of other good looking black guys around. What am I doing? Hey, you I'd saying you're not be, good looking? I'd rather be. <laughs> <laughs> I'd rather just be me. I will find my niche or make my niche. Yeah. And not be sure. bitter. But be better. Yeah. Why? Yeah. Why? Life's too short. I love it. Yeah. How are you feeling right now with the climate of things and are you seeing it affect? Nuts. It, it's it's absolutely nuts. Especially growing up in the South. Like it's less surprising. Who else is from the South there? How do I you have guys family from the South. Yeah. yeah. I have family from way it's... South, but not in the United States. Oh, <laughs> oh. wait, where? Wait, where? Like, uh, my dad's from Guatemala. Uh, my my oh, mom's Guatemala. family is from Peru and then St. Lucia. Uh-huh. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. yeah those, those are more Southern. <laughs> <laughs> That's a whole Tennessee, different, Nashville, but it's still Tennessee. the same story. Oh, yeah. Anyways. So, you know, yeah. like, racism is not a surprise to me like i grew up with it mm -hmm. like seeing the clan was nothing for us like driving from 
Fayetteville, Georgia to Atlanta at the time, like the Klan might be out there like passing out pamphlets or something. Like nobody was scared of them. Like we thought they're a bunch of idiots. But racism is not new to me. I grew up with racists, you know? I went to school with people who were racist. Like the guy who owned the big restaurant in in Fayetteville was racist. So none of that is a surprise. I hate to see it. It's not a surprise. And I also know not every white dude is racist. I'm even surprised right now by some of the guys from my hometown who I always thought was, like one dude sent me a message the other day, he goes, it's nice to see that some much needed change is finally happening. And that blew my mind because yeah. that's not the dude I thought he was even a little bit. Wow. I, I hate that it took George Floyd's death mm-hmm. for this to happen, but it was almost sadly a perfect storm of hurt to make this happen. There was COVID that kept people at home and people could finally concentrate on something beside their lives and concentrate on other people's pains. Mm. And then George Floyd, like when everybody saw that happen, that opened up a lot of eyes. And I can't tell you how many white friends have texted me literally going, hey, you okay? Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's the thing. And at first I was mad at him a little. And then I was like, thank you for recognizing the struggle, Mm -hmm. even if it took this long for really getting how real it is. Thank you for recognizing like the reality of it. As I said, I was saying to you guys before we started, like I have a, a comedy podcast called Day Drinking with Gary and Elliot. And like, I haven't felt funny enough or lighthearted enough rather to go making jokes out there right now. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to just, I want to like breathe in this crazy upside down world we're in right now. You know, I'm starting to get back to doing some stuff, but I think it's worth taking a pause <laughs> and looking around and evaluating and reevaluating because we're tired where we are right now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And for a, a long time, like I wouldn't even say anything on Twitter or Instagram because I did not want to just get angry. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I grew up in that small little southern town, like it's very easy to get over angry where I can't organize my thoughts and my feelings. Like I needed to take a break so I could look at the reality of it and know what I'm talking about and saying and thinking and feeling before I open my mouth on these issues. Mm-hmm. I completely agree. But yeah. I'm, you know, there's a couple of us right now as in the African-American men situations, one who also doesn't have hair, who I don't, he's making some <laughs> statements right now that I, I don't know. And I've known that dude forever. It's like, I, I, I can't get with what you're saying. Terry Crews is who I'm talking about. What's amazing is how many opinions are coming out of the woodworks when you thought it yeah. was, you know, maybe one, two, three. It's just a, a lot of different yeah. surprising characters sort of coming out. Like you yeah. said, your friend who called, who you you know, was not yeah. one that you would expect to make that phone call. Yeah. And at the same time, yeah. I feel like there's a platform that's happening for these people where they might have in some way not felt like they could call you and say, yeah. hey, are yeah. you OK? You know, just in any way, shape or form, it was almost like a PC for in, in, yeah. in, in many in many different ways, I think, in many different views. So I just I'm so hopeful and. You know, talking to you even more. It's just we need some more people like you out there. <laughs> Thank you, brother. I, I it is 
it's an amazing time for change in every way. Like it's amazing. Like there's stuff that's gotten said and put out there and is being done right now that has taken forever for people to do. The fact that NASCAR wants to is taking their rebel flags (laughs) away. Amazing. That's like, I mean, something that simple and common sense. It took forever for it to happen. And then I found out like the guy who used to, who owns NASCAR, he tried to get rid of him a couple of years ago. Mm. He wanted to, Mm. but the fans and everybody else was like, no, but he had already had posed. Hey, let's get rid of these flags. Like that surprised me. First of all, I didn't even know that. That didn't make the news. Yeah. Well, I'm on a new TV show that has to do with NASCAR. I'm the only black dude Uh. on the show (laughs) that has to do with NASCAR. So I started like following what's going on, especially with when Bubba Wallace came up, like I started following what's, What's happening here, you know? But I'm not a fan. Of, not a fan. <laughs> not a fan of NASCAR by by any stretch of the imagination. You better become a fan soon. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know, right? Have you seen a shift in the acting world as far as more roles for African Americans? Uh, I know I've kind of seen that, in in companies wanting to be more diverse and and inclusive. Yeah, I. I... Yeah, I literally got an email from a theater company here who I've done some shows with asking me if I now want to be like on the board and one of the teachers because, and like them going, hey, and, and, but them first falling on their sword going, we should have been better. Yeah. Uh-huh. We need to make up for these things that we have done wrong and we're sorry. And also, would you like, like always falling on the sword right now, which, you know. Thank you for that. <laughs> uh, and as far as I just started a brand new cartoon and they make a point, like they sold this cartoon before this time, uh-huh. but the guy was already trying to dig into with this, a kid's cartoon, but he was really trying to dig into these issues in a kid's cartoon. He was already trying to do it. And then mm-hmm. when this happened, uh-huh. now he's like, I'm leaning into it more even more now yeah Yeah. so and it's it's so good it's so real like it's funny and it's for children but like he deals with some real stuff you know um and he would not have had that opportunity to lean into it Mm -hmm. if if none of these things had taken place i do think it will be a much better time coming out of this for black any any people of color kind of uh actors i do think that you know people got to wise up i mean look at sports like they're talking about if you don't change the team name we're taking money out of it Mm -hmm. and if one thing that they all understand is money when fedex threatens to pull money out from your stadium if you don't change your team name they're going to change the (laughs) team name I heard they're going to change it to the Washington Negroes. I heard they're going to change it. But still, still any, any change is good change. Uh, I'm just praying that this momentum doesn't stop and, and we continue to learn and grow. And, and it's just not a movement for the time. You know, that's my prayer and, and hope. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I do think that it's kind of gotten in there, though, you know, like a hook in a fish. I think that once a lot of people saw the reality of it, I think that's kind of in there, especially with the really young 
people. Yeah. My my riding partner is a white female, a little bit younger than me. Her daughter is ten, and her daughter is, she was out on them streets, all the time, with her with her signs up, and like that's not that is never going away from that little girl's psyche. Yeah. That's never going away. It's like for her to realize, wait, wait, what? Why hadn't this changed before now? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why didn't they do this before now? Like, that's that's in there. Yeah, the so kids are on fire. There's going to be some. Yeah, they really are. Yeah. Our daughter, who's 14, I mean, she's. It, it, I mean, the stuff that she's coming up with, and the stuff that she's researching, and I mean, she recently mm-hmm. got online and found all the stores that are donating to certain um, campaigns, mm-hmm. and so we've we're learning mm-hmm. to, you know, okay, we should not be supporting that. <laughs> we yeah. are mm-hmm. views don't yeah, line like up. Learning yeah. from one another. At first, I was like showing, you know, the black people this and this happened in the Constitution, and at first she was like, Dad, let me see that, let me see that, and now I'm I'm saying, wait, what what, what was that? Show me that again. Did you <laughs> oh, where'd you where did you get that from? I didn't. I didn't know that. <laughs> and they're That's igniting great. a lot of hope. These kids are. I mean, the the amount of action that they're willing to take and do. It's really that. I think that's what's most reassuring. Like you said, you have a son. Absolutely. And he's teaching. I mean, it's just. I think probably as generations go, the the layers get peeled back more and more, and it's it's Absolutely. so important. And people want Absolutely. to be educated now. It's just a complete, you know, 180 from where we've been going or 360. I never know that phrase correctly, but <laughs> where we're going now, kids want to learn and that's, and, and us yeah. adults, you know, and people are, I feel like are taking yeah. more pride and the, the idea of voting. What is it really? And there's just so much knowledge that is being shared. That's positive. Yeah. 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 It's, it's sad that it took that much pain for it to happen. Yes. Uh, yes. But it is at least, you know, like, man, if that was if George Floyd was my brother, like, I don't know if I could take any comfort in the fact that like real change seems to be happening from it. But mm. at least that is happening. You know, I, I have I have hope. I, I always keep hope, especially in young people, man. I always keep hope. Yeah, they're, they're teaching us now. It's funny what happens, you know, a child who hasn't learned much yet, and you put those very simple things in front of them, and they can see the injustice. They can see the, you know, yeah. not until we got older and there's all these rules and everybody thinks different ways, but now that right. the, the social media is there for kids to observe and, and, and view it, yeah. they're like, what? Like you yeah. said, like, what are we talking about here? Like, what's the discussion? Right. Old people. Right. Like, what are you guys? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. They, they, they're not carrying that baggage, man. They're just looking at something that's pretty wrong or right. And why are we not making this right? Right. Yeah. Pretty simple. I think that's, we should all do that. <laughs> we should all do that. Just break it down to the simplest molecule. Well, I think that's it, man. We didn't, we don't want to run your time again. I'm so thankful that you just jumped right back. I mean, I have to say your response was probably the fastest out of everyone's. And it might've scared us a little bit like, man, you can't, <laughs> he's ready that to was, go. I guess this is happening. <laughs> hey, cause I, I can't trust y'all. One of y'all would have been at my front door. <laughs> the other one at the back. Somebody yeah. else messing with the brakes on my car. That eight layer, uh, eight layer Tesla drive. It's eight layers, guys. I was gonna say, yeah. I don't eight, know which one we would jump in first. Eight, but yeah, I know you got to figure that out. How many batteries? That's, a, that's a lot of batteries. In the, in the... It's a lot of batteries. Yeah, and I use that old the Rayovac batteries to Ooh. charge. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, I love limited it. edition hey, yeah thanks for thanks for having me on guys just just chitting about stuff yeah 
Yeah. So yeah. before we lose you, though, can we ask you to fill in the blank with three to five descriptions? I am. Uh-oh. I am extremely tall. <laughs> uh, I am a proud father. I am a lover of life. I am a believer in good people. I'm very dark. <laughs> I am happy to be who I am. And I'm also happy that I still have the sense to know that I can be better than I am. Did I mention I'm also very dark? <laughs> Did I, mention I, that? I don't know, but you Guys, are, I, you are I, absolutely I take right. I pride in my darkness. Y'all know that, right? <laughs> Well, I feel that, you know, that's actually, I mean, you said there's some nuggets. There's some nuggets. Oh, my goodness. There's a lot of beautiful things that you said. I hear you loving yourself and giving grace to yourself, not pushing yourself. You're just sitting in who you are. And I don't know how many of us really do that. Beautiful. I guess you meant we might as well. What are the other? Yeah, what are the options? You know, I was somebody was talking about going in for an audition on something. And I said. Well, they got to pick somebody. It might as well be me. That's all. That's right. You just got to speak it. That's the thing, too. It's just, you know. Indeed. I think we should flip it, and each of us should do one for him. So you are. Yeah. What comes yeah. to I, mind. So for me, you uh, are a bright light. Ever since I met oh, you, you are a bright light. Eric, stop. <laughs> <laughs> got a brother crying over there. You are you are strength. I think that's what I hear. Oh, dude, y'all y'all don't have so You're embarrassing. You're There's embarrassing so yourself. I have. You are genuine. Woo. Yes. Y'all yes. Are, you're embarrassing yourself. I'm, I'm ashamed for. You. I'm ashamed for you all. <laughs> but I think you were right. Where do we go? We gotta flatten the curve Where after do we this. Go from here. I don't know what I I fear for you guys. <laughs> we gotta cancel I the show now. <laughs> I am canceling this podcast. Uh, Seriously, cool. really fun. Just really relaxed and fun. Thank you yes. guys for thank you so thank much. Inviting me to talk with you guys. Amazing. Sooner or later, there's a new season of the Boondocks coming out. So keep your ear out. And congratulations on your weight loss journey. I would love to talk to you about that sometime because that's amazing. It's no easy feat. 150 pounds. You got to stay focused. It's easier than you think. And harder than you think. Here's I'm gonna I'm just gonna say exactly what I did, and it was my own plan, and I called it white is evil. So I just cut out everything white. I cut out bread, rice, pasta. I don't add any sugar to anything. That was it. What about people? Did it make me? <laughs> oh. I, I left. I left the people. I left, <laughs> left the people. Okay. For good. now. For now. <laughs> Cut that stuff out. And let me tell you, like, before I even start losing weight, it gave me, like, I used to have this tired, really tired dip in the middle of the day where I had to take a nap around three or something. Before I even start losing weight, that went away instantly. Mm. And then the weight just started falling off, like, just started coming off. I didn't eat any less. I just didn't eat that stuff anymore. And that, that was, that was really, it made me angry, though. I used to say, Carbs are the things that keep us from beating other people's children. Because it made me just, I wasn't going to hit my own kid, but it made me want to pick up some stranger's kid and just, you know, n- knock him across the room. You know, 
But it, no, it did. It, it put an edge on me not eating carbs at first. It was like a withdrawal or something. Wow. But then that, that went away. That went away in like five or six short months. Oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> wow, really? So, yeah. It took a while for it to go away, seriously. It took a, I, was, I was on edge for about probably four months, and then that went away. I had already lost about 130 pounds before I ever really started exercising anything. Wow. A hundred, just from literally just not eating, eating that. Yeah. It's a testament to what wow. we put in our body. We are what we eat in so many ways. Yeah. And, and I know, I'm sure like you guys could probably eat a bag of donuts and you're fine, but I, my body <laughs> it, it, it treated it like poison. Erica, I saw Erica one day eating two loaves of white bread. What <laughs> uh, <laughs> a chance. And a, and a and a bucket, a bucket of rice. <laughs> no hands, no hands, no, no hands on any of it. Not and even she cooked. Handle it was just straight oh, out the bag. I'll give you a bucket of rice. I don't know about the loaves of bread. <laughs> <laughs> That's so yeah. cool. Oh man! Thank you, right, Gary. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Thank you for listening. Interested in starting your own podcast? Visit us at IamMusicGroup.com. dot